when I make these recordings and I note what it is, it's the ODBC, One Drink Book Club. And I was realizing that's like the old Dirty Bastard Club. <laughs> you know, like old, if you're old school and you know ODB. What are we, uh, well, first of all, let me let me introduce, we have a new voice on the show. So uh, Bill, we, we kicked him out. No, we didn't really kick him out. He's, at, he's out of town and that's going to be like a flowing cast on on the club. And so Bill is traveling and we have our friend, Mike joining us today. Mike, say hi. Hello, all. Not not a true Bill replacement, but you know, I'll try. Who is? Well, Who true. is? True. Who is? So we'll have we'll have different people, and maybe next week um, we'll have we'll have everybody. Maybe we'll have four next week. Also, Emma, I believe, has shored up the um, Wi-Fi issues, which is both wonderful and a disappointment because it's such hilarity. Yeah, hilarity for you, anxiety for me. Oh, it was also anxiety for me because I'm <laughs> I'm I'm kind of like vamping all by myself because Bill was just kind of the questioner. So I'm like, okay, I'm the one answering this question. How long can I talk? Buying time for when you might come in at any moment. There was one yeah. segment where we were talking over each other. When I went back and listened to the recording, we were talking over each other for a really long time. Oh. Because I waited a few seconds after you cut out and then started talking, but you kept talking. So I had to fix that. Well, <laughs> I, I'm having gear envy. Now, I've got my high-end microphones back there and the headphones, but, you know, those are typically studio-type stuff. But you guys came prepared. Uh, you know, next time I'm gearing up. Just next saying. time you're gearing up. Well, you do look at – so the, the, the listeners don't know because this is audio only – but Mike is in what appears to be a secret underground recording studio uh, with like sound baffles and you know everything going on there. I even see a row of books along the top. It's just a really swanky uh, space. So what are we all drinking today? I'll start. I've got a vodka tonic with some local hill country peach vodka. Um, was out of lime, so there's no twist. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> so there needs to be a twist on this show. I'm trying to trying to set yeah. you up here, but yeah, yeah. Um, I I have um, a gin and tonic with a splash of cherry juice. Gin and tonics, I believe, being your specialty. Yes, well, in a sense. My, yeah. And uh, I am having a lovely glass of this freak show Zinfandel, mm, uh, nice. which I will be bringing over um, tomorrow night for Fire Wine Pit. Nice. That's a good one. Uh, so it was it was a pretty cool week for me. Um, how was it in your working life, Emma? Uh, pretty good. I, I mean, up and down. I um, So I had a book out on Monday with uh, one of my writing partners, Kat, and it actually hit like number one in, on Amazon in its category. So I got like an orange flag for the first time ever, which was super cool. Dang. So, Please. I should be very excited about that. I am very excited about that. But then I also was sick right afterwards. So um, my excitement has been a little dulled by <laughs> the stomach bug, but I'm better now. So that's good. And Mike, we should probably introduce what you do a little bit. You've um, you, you do some writing. You also write poetry, which I don't I certainly don't do. Um, so you're bringing that expertise as well, but also a, a voracious reader, thus a, a fitting uh, replacement for that capacity that Bill serves with for us. Yeah. Voracious reader without the memory of Bill. Um, I have been reading longer than he has. However, 
Uh, I cannot remember all the details he does, but I do remember the emotions and feelings, I should say. Um, I always love conversations with Bill because we would have read the same book 10 years ago, 20 years ago, and I remember the book, but he remembers the details. So, uh, Probably having, with double entendre as well. I, I, I mean, I was going to leave that out, but yeah. Well, but we won't I, be sharing it because this, this is a family <laughs> show, but usually there's a lot of double entendre. <laughs> I, I will say from a work standpoint, you know, the, this is not my field, but in my uh, conference last week, I actually thought of both of you and a question. If you're ready for a question already. Oh, go. Comes I mean, prepared. Because now I will. I, I do only because it, it came up and I, I wanted to actually text y'all and ask y'all at the time, but I decided to, to save it till we saw each other. But, you know, we were doing sessions on well-being and kind of. And some of us aren't the 25-year-olds in the workplace. And we are, some of us, a little bit older and looking towards what's next. What's that encore? And through that conversation, you know, quite a few of us realized we went to art and creativity as our soothing mechanism during our fairly stressful day jobs. And we, I think, to OT in that room, all of us, when we leave this day job, wanted to pursue some art in some way, shape, or form. Not necessarily to make money and as a living, but it was going to be a considerable part of our lives after. And it got me thinking, you know, what do you do for your creative outlet? Do you like writing after your writing hours? And, you know, what, what does that look for look like for you from a creative outlet standpoint? Yeah, so I'm going to answer the question you didn't ask, which is, do writers dream of retiring? Uh, which is no. Uh, when Greg and I are talking about our retirement plans, he's always, I want to work for X number more years. And I jump in and say, I want to write until I die. I can't guarantee that people will want to read what I'm writing when I'm 80 or whatever, but I want to write until I die. So I don't ever dream of retiring. Uh, in but the second part of the question or the actual question, which is what do I do in my spare time as my creative outlet? I watch a lot of TV. I watch a lot of TV over and over again, trying to pick apart what made me love it in the first place. And then I also knit. Um, I That's interesting. So I, I see why you answered the question that Mike didn't ask, because I don't know how to answer the... Well, no, I do know how to answer the one that you did. And it's, it's um, well, I mean, I, I don't... I don't write to decompress from my day of writing. So it, it does seem more like I would probably answer it a little like you did, which is I don't really need to decompress. Um, so without divulging much, um, just for everybody out there, Mike's job is very stressful. It's the sort of thing that just like kicks you in the chest all day long. It kind of sounds like, and I can see why that would be, you really, really need an outlet. And I think that for a lot of people, yeah, I mean, is that how you use poetry? That's exactly how. Um, I don't write. Oh, uh, let me back up. I use poetry in two ways. One, the children's poetry I write is actually to connect. It, it has a purpose outside of me. Um, it is for connecting with kids, for delving into uh, you know, social emotional issues, etc. The other poetry I write is for me, and it is the decompression. No one ever has to read it. Many can read it. It really is irrelevant. It is purely for me to find a way to to really learn what I'm feeling. Um, oh my gosh, I'm just seeing my corporate computer wants to log me out. 
Let me see if I can hit the button. I'm all right. So if you disappear, that's why. That's why. I got um, 14. Oh, I do have 14 minutes remaining before it automatically restarts. Sorry. All right. Uh, well, it, you then you may disappear and come back. We'll, we'll, we'll have to find out. We'll see what I've done that. So, depending on that, how much that, we power through. Yes, that is my decompression. Um, you know, novel writing is too hard and too much work. The poetry lets me really dig into what I'm feeling. Well, here's a sideways thing. So even it, it's not that I... It's not that I would be opposed if I were like stressed out. It's not that I would be opposed to 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 writing as my creative outlet to get past that. It's that if I am stressed out, it's usually because the writing is being difficult. In which case, it's the last thing I want to go to, and I just right. want to get away from it. So that's kind of a sideways. The one of the way things to I it too. Yeah, it's been. Oh, I was gonna I was gonna make the joke I always make about gratitude journals because. In trying to find work-life balance and stuff, people are always recommending a gratitude journal. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> no one asks an architect to build a, a house about what they're grateful for. I'm not going to sit down and write what I'm grateful for because that is my job to write. When I'm writing, it is sometimes I journal for myself, but it's never going to be a daily sit down. And today I'm grateful for my loving family. I just... I. My writing energy goes somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, I'll actually, um, if there's like something that needs to be answered in depth, uh, usually like in the way that a normal person would just reply to an email if, if verbosely, um, I will usually request, can I just, like I used to, um, like writing product descriptions, we had a thing where we would have to fill out a form when I was with Sterling and Stone, and then somebody else would write the product descriptions, but I had to write it out. And I kind of bartered for, can I just send you a voice recording? Because it was like the last thing I wanted to do was 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 do more writing. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it's been a pretty you know, cool week I, around. You do have other creative outlets, though. You do have decompression outlets outside. Well, okay. So you know what? Thank you for for poking me a little bit because you're absolutely right. And I can't believe that this just went over my head, but yes, I do actually play my guitar specifically for that reason. Yeah. So, and that is creative. So, so there you go. For some reason I missed that. Um, in the mail yesterday, I got four print on demand books that I've been waiting for. This is pretty exciting. Nice. So I don't know how much I told of this story, but um, I got rights back to most of my books Maybe, maybe all. We'll have to see how that works out. Um, and so I am now uh, in charge of like, I can sell these however I want to. I can, um, and I can, I can like pimp them up a little bit. And the, the, uh, listeners aren't going to be able to see this, but this is, um, so this is actually our book, Pretty Killer, which, first of all, it looks really good in, um, in paperback. But then there's all sorts of things that I wasn't able to do before. Um, because it wasn't my domain and I wasn't going to put work on somebody else's desk and it was like excessive work. So for instance, this is a, um, like a, a, a dinner party mystery. It's one of those things where a bunch, it's kind of like, um, was it, uh, the, uh, and then there were none. Well, I think is Agatha Christie. I think that's what it is where there's like a dinner party. And so, um, there's like these invitations oh. that, you know, I did these graphics. I'm just for the listeners, this isn't very satisfying. Um, but I did these, and then there's things like this, um, these little flourishes, and I don't know if you can tell, but there's a texture, there's a background behind these pages. Yeah. Um, toward the end, there was a bunch of sort of found documents that oh, I, love I didn't, that. 
Yeah. So like the, here's one where it's like a coroner's report that I put like on a clipboard um, because I didn't, you know, when I was writing this, there was a bunch of stuff that had to be revealed. These are toward the end. Um, here's the physician's desk reference. You know, there's a clue in there. If you've read the book, like it's, it looks like a ripped section from the physician's desk reference about a drug that's instrumental. So that was a lot of fun to play with that and to see that in print. This, um, this is going to be a real tease because I'm, I'm actually going to do this later, but this is the hardback I've been telling you guys, you guys being the two of you on the call. I don't know how much oh, I've told yeah. other people, but I want to do a, um, like a Kickstarter probably for fat vampire. Um, and this is the volume one book. Nice. Oh, nice. It's, it's on, it's the hardback and, um, this is the, so it's got the dust jacket, but it's also, it's the linen with the, the foil stamping. There's a bunch of stuff I want to do with this too, with this case wrap. So just for those of you who aren't, don't know much about books, the, um, hardbacks are mounted. There's a board that they can wrap a graphic around so that it looks like it's printed directly on the board. And this, this is actually linen that's on these fat vampire books. But what I think I'm going to do is I also got in this pile. So that was the the volume one of fat vampire. Here's the volume two. And I didn't apparently do it right because there's some, there's a white edge that's showing, but this is actually Mm. on, there's no dust jacket here. So this is actually printed directly on the book. Because what I think I want to do is to do something directly on the on the case and then have a dust jacket too. And um, I did a lot these of cool things, things with this. These are What's things that? that are, as I say, these are things, and we talk about this, that will, it looks like, let you go more in the artisan world instead of kind of the mass populist world. With your, exactly. With your and and so there's like, there's like the, the chapter things have this, the each chapter page has like a, a graphic behind it. Um, I'll tell you guys, I'm not ready to tell the world yet, but there's, I actually discovered some cool stuff involving books and what I can do with these, because what I want to do is a lot of people just like the case wrap book with no dust jacket that is made really nice with like foil stamping and stuff. And there's all sorts of extra stuff you can do like ribbons, like a a ribbon bookmark or, um, this, these are called, um, in sheets. So what I've done here for those of you who can't see this is I've literally opened just the front board of the book but not turn any pages this spread here you can do this you can put like graphics and stuff here so i'm going to do a bunch of really cool stuff with with that and then this is the last one was was pattern black which was our our big opus um a couple years ago so can you say out loud which platform you're using which uh yeah i'm going to do them with lulu okay yeah so there's there's a lot there um I mean, without going too far in the weeds, Lulu is a uh, big sponsor for Author Nation uh, this year. Author Nation is the conference that replaces 20 books. And um, I know the guys running Author Nation and I know the guys from Lulu. And so there's a, like, I want to work with them as much, much as I can. And I have a bunch of kind of aftermarket things that I, I may be doing to these books that Lulu can't quite do yet. So I need to look into that, but I can still do kind of on my own. So that was that was the highlight of my week was getting a box full of, well, full kind of books. A big deal. Yeah, it and is. here's the um the here's the this don't say what that is, but that yeah. is there's there's a there's a thing there. I have a, a little icon that I can I can tell you about later oh, on gotcha. the spines. That's like my 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 so brand is this logo. A, not to get too philosophical, but is this a physical representation of do you see it as kind of a physical expression of what you've gone through and getting your rights back? Uh, that you mean that you mean you mean sending away and ordering books in the mail yeah getting these with with your yeah 
Um, well, I'm being a little facetious because I don't entirely understand the question. My my leaving my publisher is just like ordering books, is what I'm saying. What okay. What do you mean specifically, Mike? Well, I meant well, it, you know, in my shoes, when I if I were to have gotten something that I hadn't fully owned the rights to, and then I get I get a a mm. physical object in the mail, that becomes more symbolic than anything to me. Oh yeah, well it's. I've always liked the idea of having so well it wouldn't do me any good to turn the camera cuz only you guys would see it and you've already seen my house anyway but I have a shelf right over here that has many copies of printed books and just forget about who published them or whatever like having your own book yeah. I mean that's amazing and the fact that I got to do with these exactly what I wanted not that I was being denied but it just wasn't my place right to be so doing you that are- you are literally and metaphorically putting your stamp on the work that has always been yours intellectually, but is now yours in a copyrighted sense. Uh, as long as we discard the technicalities, yes, that's that's roughly correct. <laughs> I'm also putting my stamp literally and figuratively on um, Sean's books. So without going into um, details, the books that I got back, most of them actually have Sean's name on them too. So yeah. we're... Yeah, we're actually in kind of this 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 very atypical quasi collaboration still. It it's 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 really very interesting. I don't want to talk much about it just for legal reasons, but the books that I have control of now are also the ones that I wrote with Sean, which is pretty yeah. cool. Well I know Emma, you were posting some collaborative work or you, you were propping up your writing partner this week, last week. On, on social, yeah, and I'm frozen that was again. Fun to see. Oh, there it goes. I, I just said I was frozen again. No, you're for not. A you're good. Yeah. You're good. Okay. It was a brief yeah. freeze. Uh, Mike, freeze the uh, rephrase the question so I can hear it again. Oh, I was just saying I was impressed with you propping up your your writing collaborator partner on oh. your social media this week because I hadn't yeah. seen her before. So. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, she and I have been critique partners for. 25 years now and this is the first uh thing that we've written totally together that is just us and it's so fun it's yeah it's just silly fun romance time travel aliens <laughs> all cool. the all the weird things yeah a lot of fun to work on she she writes a lot faster than i do so that was a bit of a roller coaster ride uh, I joke that I had PTSD afterwards because it happened so fast, but <laughs> it was good, very good. Well, so I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to blow anything or whatever. So I'm going to speak vaguely here. But what you were going to maybe do another podcast? Is that still in the works? We were supposed to record uh, this week. Well, we've been we have two sample podcasts because we had talked to you, Johnny, about about how to get started. And he, you said, do a couple of samples. So we've done those. Yeah. Our first official one was supposed to be a week ago. Uh, and she is doing this crazy traveling all around the world. And she was in Bangkok and she thought that the hostel she was staying in would be quiet enough to <laughs> record. And it was like, no. So we, we pushed it back to Wednesday of this week. And then I was sick. So it has been pushed back again, but we will be recording our first official real episode next week, I think, and then try and knock out several at once. So in maybe a month, that one will be live. Nice. Because we want to get wanna... like four, yeah. four to six episodes in the in the bag. 
Do, do you want to say what it is? I didn't know if it was something sure. that should be divulged. Yeah, yeah. It's, and I'm trying to remember our official name. It's something, the name is something like uh, Romancing Like Swift. And the idea is she and I are both big fans of Taylor Swift. And we met at a conference and and instantly bonded. And I was like, we should do a podcast about what writers can learn from listening to Taylor Swift's writing. Uh, because her songwriting, I think, is so top notch. And as a writer, you can learn a lot by deconstructing her songs, but also deconstructing her her business, her marketing, uh, her the way she interacts with her fans, all of that stuff. So I'm sort of handling the the craft side of it because I have more experience as a writer. And Morgana is is doing the marketing, uh, uh, social media stuff. So we're just going to be talking about Taylor songs we love and what you can learn from them. Who do you see as your audience for that? I think both Swifties and writers. It's a little, it's a little vague. We'll see. It feels, feels like the Swifties are fervent enough that they will, it doesn't even matter. Like, is it about Taylor Swift? Yes, I'm interested. I'll right. Be, I'll be there. My kids yeah. turned me into a Swiftie, so I'm there. Yeah, yeah. I, I argue with my kids all the time. I think she's the greatest songwriter of our generation. And then Henry will be like, but what about Paul McCartney? And I'm like, yeah, that's not our generation. generation. <laughs> <laughs> He's definitely the greatest songwriter of his generation, but, <laughs> or arguably is, I guess there's a lot of great ones from that generation, but. Um, well, that's great. So I'll, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be looking forward to, to seeing that. How did the practice ones go? They were a hot rambling mess, but I think I needed more structure, more like reining myself in because when I start talking about Taylor Swift, I go in like 20 different directions at once. <laughs> so I'm next time I'm making notes. I have notes, bullet points, things I want to talk about, and uh, hopefully we'll enjoy this enough that there will be plenty of time for me to talk about all of the Taylor Swift things I love. I will say if you need a guest analyst, my oldest would be happy to join because they've actually are creating that function as part of their their online platform for UT. Oh, cool. And there will be music critique and lyric critique, um, all in upbeat, said positive upbeat way. So, oh, real quick. All right. <laughs> all right. Yeah, it's too bad Mike's eldest is is a real introvert, and you probably have to really drag, you know, information out. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, it won't be. You, you just step aside. Like, I, you know, it's going to be like, I got this. You guys yeah. just stay home. <laughs> um, yeah, the other thing I've started poking, I've started doing this week is, I just started today, is beginning, um, like not just an email list, but like an email world if that makes any sense so it, it 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 functionally looks like an email list i haven't had my own like author email list in a really long time yeah but i'm trying to figure out like from the beginning since i have the chance to engineer it what does that look like like somebody who comes in who's a general a general fan as opposed to somebody who like in the future i don't have this yet but in the future there might be like uh, a link in the back of the fat vampire books that says go, you know, to learn more about fat vampire or to get a special story or something. 
And so those will have their own sequences, but like what would go in sort of a general, you want to know about me sequence. And then what I'll talk to people about ongoing and um, just little things like when I I was showing you those little flourishes in pretty killer was that was a lot of fun. And I just kept finding myself wanting to like take screenshots and, you know, share how exciting that is because we're not just creating, I, I don't know if I talked about this before. Did I talk about this before on the show where like there's the art of putting words in order, telling a story. Yeah. And that's, that's wonderful. Like that's, I love that part. And I would have told you that's like all I wanted to do. But now I'm thinking that for me personally, the art of creating the world of the book, and I was just oh, mean the yeah. fiction world. I mean, like, who are the readers who are coming in? What do they want to learn more about? What will be interesting to them? What will make them uh, feel like, you know, this is the best world for me to be in. This author is really interesting. I feel like I'm connecting like that sort of thing, making those yeah. decisions. Yeah. Yeah. And not to tie it back to Taylor again, but that's no, go one ahead. of the things that she does that I think is so fascinating is she does an amazing job of making her fans collaborators with her in the bigger story she's telling. And that's one of the things I think we as authors can really take away from watching her career is how does she interact not just how does she interact with fans, but how does she make her music theirs? How does she do that? Does she have, I mean, cause there's, I'm thinking of like the outreach piece because I just was describing my email list, but does she have, I mean, obviously she has a huge platform, but does she have an email list? Does she do any of that sort of thing? Or is it just talking in general? I don't actually know. I, I mean, I know that she's on like Instagram and Twitter and things like that. And then when she makes appearances in person, but if you are a hardcore Swifty, and I'm just like dipping my toes in compared to a lot of people, um, but there is almost like a secret language that mm. um, that she shares with her her fans, where there are things that they that she can just like. There are people who analyze what colors her nail polish on a given day, and what <laughs> does that hint at about what's coming next in her career. I'm definitely not that hardcore, but she has made this common language that she can give them secret messages to, and it makes them feel like they are part of the club that they want to be in, right? Like everyone wants to hang out with Taylor Swift. So how does she create this world in which her friend, her fans get to feel like they are her friends by way of hanging out yeah. in the world with her? Uh-oh, I get well, that's the, the that, that's the first time. That's the first time yeah. you froze. That was that. Was, but I'm telling you, it's so. I thought that was me. I, I forced you out. No, it's so much better than last time. <laughs> yeah. So, well, that is impressive, and it's impressive that she can do it at scale. Um, yes. That's something I've I've looked into a lot. Is so uh, just little things like you know Lady Gaga. We'll call her fans you know, monsters, little yeah. monsters, and so that sort of thing is is giving a, an identity to especially a group that feels that it needs the cohesion of a group yes. like that. So I know that yeah. um, I don't know much about what Taylor Swift does. I do like some of her music. I'm definitely not a Swifty, but I'm not opposed in any way. So I don't really know. But I do know, I've just heard this anecdotally that, and it makes a lot of sense, is that that the whole Monsters thing is like, for those of you who felt like you were on the outside, this is a place you can belong, right? Like I'm, this is me speaking as Lady Gaga, waving the flag, saying that I I am somebody that appreciates all you, you weirdos out there. And 
I, I think giving an identity like that is is really important. Yeah. And really makes people feel like they belong. It's it's interesting. I was thinking about this not not in the context of monsters and Lady Gaga, but in the context of how much writers um, sorry, songwriters speak to us through that language of being an outsider. And I was listening on the car today to one of my all-time favorite songs by Weedis, um, uh, Teenage Dirtbag. Do you and... have other famous favorite songs from Weedis? Because <laughs> you said one of my favorite all-time songs from Weedis, and I'm like, I don't. How many more did I, they I have? Name one, and you named okay. it. But yeah. That's okay. <laughs> okay. It's worth so it. I was like. It's one of my favorite songs. And then I tacked on the from Wheatus for people who didn't know that it was from Wheatus. Yeah, we may have all it watched my... the kind of behind the music thing yeah, around yeah, Emma's together, pool right. about Wheatus. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I always loved that song, even before I saw the behind the music thing about it. And but one of the things I realized while we were watching that is it, the number of people who have covered that song, people who are I mean, like Harry Styles and One Direction has a like a notoriously famous cover of that song. And there's no denying that Harry Styles is one of the coolest humans alive, right? He's just cool. And the fact that he can unironically sing a song about how much he is an outsider speaks to how much we all feel like outsiders at some point, right? So we all feel like we are not part of acceptable society. And so we are all looking for that found family that is the fan group, the the group of friends, the partner in life who makes us feel like we are in the right place. All so of it is whole... to say, yes, do that for your fans. Well, I was <laughs> I have a whole thing I could spin off on, but I wanted to kind of check in with you guys. So the original conception, just so you know how things evolve here, this is me breaking the fourth wall was like, we'll just get together for 15, 20 minutes. We're already at a half an hour. This is a fun conversation. I can definitely continue, but I wanted to check in with you guys and see, do you want to, do you want to kind of go a little bit more, expand the. I have a wee bit more drink left. So I, I, do, I do also, I'm not done with my drink. Okay. And, well, so let's. I, I did get caught by, yeah. So next time I'm using my writing computer and not my work computer. Yeah, um, that was a forced restart. I've been on Zoom for twelve hours today <laughs> when it decided to force restart. So apologies, but um, yes, I have a bit more drink, and I'm really what you just talked about, Emma. Is you know I'm watching that with my kids and their music choices and the way they follow musicians and authors online and in the in the different uh, arenas because they, you know, they will. They're forming bonds that are not at the Swifty level um, because these are artists that really, from what I can tell, you know, if they have their thousand true fans, as it were, they're happy. And my kids are, uh, it's funny me watching them be drawn to them because, you know, I and we grew up in the era of mostly the large music venues and large bands and large distribution with some exceptions, you know, the punk scene being one of those. But uh, it's really interesting the way you describe that with, uh, I've just seen that with the kids and the musicians, and now I think with some of the writers they're following. Yeah, that's really interesting. So the piece that you mixed, you missed when you when you had to log out and log back in, Mike, was that I was talking about. Um, I'm beginning to write a, a 
email sequence, but basically like I want to be able to talk to my fans basically. So my email list and it doesn't matter mechanically how it's delivered, but that's very much in the forefront of my mind. And I'm, I'm, I don't know if it's just a getting older thing or it's being further down the pike in my career sort of thing, but I definitely, this is me admitting like for a longest time it was like, well, how can I just get hands off sales? Like I was, I love my readers and when they would contact me, it was amazing, but I wasn't cultivating that bond. I wasn't looking for it. And so the idea of like, if I could just light a spark in whatever algorithms and sell a bunch of books, that would be great because then it could be like arm's length and I wouldn't have to muddy you know, I wouldn't have to be the, the waters of, of intellectual, like interpersonal communication. I wouldn't, wouldn't have to deal with it, but more and more like now, especially that I'm at this phase where like the artisan thing, and I want to create beautiful books is I just have this new appreciation for people who come into my world. And I'm very aware of the, okay. So let me tell my Bob Schneider story. So I actually, you guys will appreciate this because you both know Bob Schneider. We're all in Austin. So Bob know Schneider him in the you know listen. of him sense, not like we hang out with him. Which That's correct, and you also you know of him, and you <laughs> That's you not know the royal we here, Emma. But. You know well, that oh, you know you do okay. You <laughs> know that I'm that I'm a Swifty for Bob. I'm a Schneidery. I'm a F A Y M member. Yeah. So um, I actually wrote this uh, this post that's going to be on. Uh, Russell Nolte's Substack. It's the authorstack. Authorstack.substack.com. It's coming out on the, I think the 30th of January. And it's about true fans. And I was talking about cultivating the true fans and realizing that I feel like art is like the, the best way to conceptualize art is you're opening a portal into the truest version of you and sort of inviting people to say, is that something you resonate with? Because the people who the people who are your truest fans are not looking for the product that you create. They're looking for an emotional experience that you can consistently deliver. And there's like definition sub one of that, which is you wrote a thriller. It's going to convey a thrill. But in addition to that, there's this level of like for, for, for true fans, for super fans, for people who are really into you, it's not, you created a thriller and you, they like you because you created that thriller and you created a romance and they like it because the feels are there. And they, it's, it's that they, there's something about the energy that you project and the, um, the bravery that you exhibit by the fact that you're putting yourself out there by the fact that you are opening yourself up to like a portal, that art thing that I was talking about Yeah, that, that most people are not, and this isn't disparagement at all, but most people are not brave enough to do that. And so when they see it, they're like, I want more of that because, and, and the reason I mentioned Bob is because I started thinking about why do I like Bob Schneider? So, cause I'm definitely a true fan of Bob Schneider. So why do I like Bob Schneider so much? Well, I mean, his music is really good, but it's not like, it's not just that because there's a lot of people who make good music and it's not like he's doing crazy guitar work or anything like that. Like his, his guitar work is actually very simple. His songs are very profound and interesting, but a lot of people have very interesting and profound songs. So it's more like I just resonate with this person because he's so for instance, I am a multi-genre creator who just wants to be himself. Like that's my primary thing. And there's Bob up there doing every genre he can. Like he'll have a slow song, a funny song, a rap song, back to back to back, and he doesn't give a crap and he's 
talking to the audience and making jokes that he thinks are funny and maybe they land and maybe they don't, but he, he makes the jokes anyway. And so I'm just thinking myself as a creator, like I want more of that energy. Like I want, I want to borrow those things that I admire in him. So this is all circling back to, there was a while ago, I don't think either you were on his Patreon, but he's selling waveform art. And it looks like if you go to wave, I think it's waveformspluralart.com, I think. And there's some, like they took some sort of a, a waveform, like the waveform of the song 40 Dogs. And there's others, I think. And it they made art out of it. It looks like the iris of an eye. It's this beautiful blue thing. And I'm like, I want that. And I, I want an original signed copy and it's, I'm not going to do it because I can't afford it right now, but that's like two grand. And I've never bought art before. Like my parents are artists and I've gotten art, but I've never bought art. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I'm like, why do I want that? Like, this is somebody who I I'm interested in for his music, but I think it's because if I had that on my wall, right across from me where Jack Nicholson is right now, I would be looking and I would be saying that reminds me of a choice that somebody made to be brave and to make visual art when he's a, a songwriter. And that choice is something that I want to be able to, to be brave enough to make for myself. And so this is all to say that I feel like your fans, it's more about a, it's more about, they want more of the energy that you represent, the bravery that you represent. And so that's, that's what I'm trying to do when I build this, this, the emails and stuff, I'm trying to connect in ways that I never connected before. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Which I think is, is really cool. There's a, the, the, the old therapist to me is trying to, trying to find the path here because what you're describing and, you know, it goes beyond just connection um, and into storytelling, but into how we bring stories into our life and find safety in the storyteller in whatever media, whatever genre. And right. once we have that connection and there's no magic wand to say, this is the story will connect, but this will connect a poem, a song, a movie, what have you, the story will connect a piece of art on the wall. Once you find safety in that storyteller, you look for more, you want that safety more and more. And, uh, yeah, I think that's, for me, that's a lot of when I look at, you know, where are my go to's when I want to that connection? It's going to be the same ones over and over. I'm going to look at the same piece of art. I'm going to read the same piece of work. I'm going to listen, or if they put something new out, great, but it doesn't matter. I want that, that psychological safety of connection that, that is core to us. And so I think that's a lot of what you're describing. And I get it with Bob. He's great. I don't have that same connection. I would probably buy his art because I think it's cool. And I love his music, known him forever. But I've you got probably a, have it with Patrice Pike or somebody. Well, I actually, Darren Smith, who I'm going to go see, who started painting. I'm going to go see him in studio for the first time in 30 years. And it's going to be awesome because I have, and that's a connection to youth. But, but yeah, it's that, that connection that I think you're building. And as a creator, you know, if you get fans that, yeah, I mean, you're feeding, you are none, you are the, you are their storyteller. You are our storyteller that we look for in that connection side. Yeah. And I think a lot of it has to do with creating the world that the readers want to hang out in, right? Whether it's an imaginary world of the books or 
the world of sitting down and having a conversation or like the world of a podcast, but you want that world to be familiar and interesting and, you know, sort of hitting all the, all the right notes. So even in a, even in an author who writes lots of different genres, the, the world that you're creating sort of is going to be one they want to come back to, right? Um, not the story world, but the, the zone almost, right? Like I think about this in terms of why there are story ideas I have that I think are truly brilliant ideas, but not ideas I want to write. Mm. Like, you know, it's like, and I'm sure Johnny, you've had this experience also where you're like, oh, that's a really cool story. I would love to read that from someone else. And I'm not going to write it because it is too unfamiliar a space for me. And I don't want to be in that space. And people, I, even if it would connect with readers, the, the readers who it would connect with would not want to return to my other work to connect with. And I don't want to be in that space for too long. You're like, this is how I feel about, I, you know, I, I traditionally write rom-coms. I don't write dark romance. I don't write dark suspense novels. I've dabbled in post-apocalyptic YA, which seems incongruous, except that my post-apocalyptic YA are all ultimately hopeful stories, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's not a post-apocalyptic where, yeah, this is it. This is the end of the world. It's the, the dip as we're coming out of something horrible because I like all of my books have that hopeful, like humanity. If we work together, we can, we can get it done vibe. Um, I don't remember where I was going with this other than creating that space that readers want to be in. Well, it's a big, scary world out there. Yeah. You know? Like the idea that you're creating even even if you don't have a literal space, because I'm I'm like I know that I kind of brought this up, and and it, you'd think I know where it was going, but I I don't. So I'm kind of thinking like I'm like, ooh, that sounds like a really great idea that you guys are bringing up. Um, but I don't I don't have a literal space for people to come to. But that the fact that you read my books just to keep things simple, that is a community, you know, to some degree. And and I think that in the, I have no interest in social media, none, but so I'm not going to create a Facebook group, but I could see like groups forming and I can see like giving the thumbs up to groups like that. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, what gives you a way to understand your place in the big bad world, I think is kind of how a lot of this feels. Yeah. You don't have yeah. a space, but you have a voice and you have yeah. a voice again, that goes back to the storyteller voice. Yeah. Um, and that's recognized no matter what genre, even no matter what media. So I think that's what that's what I'm drawn to is that voice from someone who would write multiple genres. That's fine. I don't I mean, it doesn't matter if I'm hearing that voice. I'm I'm, I'm comforted. Speaking of hearing that voice, if you if you guys think you're hearing Chewbacca, I'm thinking that's Freddie. Yes. And probably is right at your side. Me and I'm trying to scratch him enough to keep him from uh, being loud, but he is not uh, behaving. He's making all sorts of dog noises over there. Don't make me go on mute. Well, so I, we should we should probably wrap it up because it's been it's yeah. been forty five minutes. But I will say that the that the fact that I don't want to wrap it up um, bodes well for yes. the Wondering Book Club. Like the fact that this that this feels good. So why don't we why don't we close it? I'm gonna I'm gonna end the recording, but don't you guys go anywhere. 
I'm not talking to the viewers. You guys can go wherever you want. I'm just telling these guys not to hang up. And um, we'll 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 see you guys next time for the next wonder. By the way, this won't necessarily be every week. It has been so far, and I I like it. So yeah. it would be wonderful if it's every week. Um, but uh, thanks for listening. And um, yeah, and if those of you who well, I won't do that whole thing. So thanks everybody. <laughs> thanks everybody for listening. And uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna stop the recording. There we go.